live from the Virtual Summit, the core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Jeremy Forcier and Greg Gale. Today's topic, tactics and scripts for converting leads for lenders. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are in tactics and scripts for converting leads for lenders. And, and I can't tell you how excited I am today teaching with Jeremy J. Force. Uh, I, you know, kind of a cool story. In January, it's going to be 10 years that both of us joined the core. And not even that, we were on the same coaching call, not for one semester, not for two semesters, but a year and a half we stayed together until finally Todd, who was our third coach, said, guys, you got to mix it up, have some different competition. But I'll tell you, over that year and a half, 18-month period, that means I spent every two weeks hanging with Jeremy. And, you know, today I was looking at the money uh, segment that Rick was talking about, and Jeremy posted in there that he was north of 300 in debt when he started with the core and just surpassed $4 million in savings and cash net worth. And, you know, that's a testament to the purpose of the core of accumulating wealth, which starts with generating converting leads, right? Uh, but for me, it's the deeper Jeremy, right, which is going to sound weird, but you are going to feel and see today what I saw for 18 straight months with him was just this connectivity and this heart and how he pours into not only his family, but his team, his office, and his community, right? How he takes care of his clients, how he talks to them, engages, listens. Look for those little nuances today because that's just a big quality that I admire and shoot for. And I'm super excited to be hanging and teaching with you today, Jay. Well, thanks, man. I couldn't have asked for a better introduction than that. And, and let me tell you guys three things about Greg Gale, okay? And he, we didn't practice this, so he might be sweating, a little nervous here. So number one is that you don't ever, ever, ever want to play golf with Greg Gale, okay? It doesn't matter if he has not played in 15 years, scratch golfer, has been for a really, really long time, and he will take your money. So be careful on the golf course with Mr. Gale. Uh, number two thing you need to know about him is that he is one of the nicest, most sincere people, but I wouldn't cross him because he is a black belt and will kick your head off. Okay, so you got to be careful. He's the guy you want to be friends with. Trust me on that, okay? And number three, and you're going to see this in our class today, is that he probably has the tightest processes out of any coach in the court. I learn so much every single time that I get to listen to Greg or coach with Greg or listen to one of his podcasts. Uh, he is always, always, always focused on being razor sharp on his processes and systems, uh, which, I mean, he far surpasses me as far as the systems and processes go. So we're in for a real treat today uh, listening with, with Greg and I. I'm super stoked. I'm going to be taking notes when you're talking as well. So I appreciate you uh, sharing this virtual stage with me here, my man. Dude, I'm excited, bro. And I got to tell you, so I have my clean piece of paper and my pen ready because I always take notes in these. And, you know, as we start, I, I need to share something. So I was going back through. And in 2016, can you guess what my lead to closing ratio was? If I was going to guess, I'd say 16%. So for every 100, I was closing 16? I, I'm guessing. Half that, bro. Oh, eight. That's awful. So I, I got coached in 17 by uh, Kevin Plokovich, KP, and he for, he said, hey, man, I need you to go in and start looking at not just your lead at application conversion that's on our on our lead tracker, but I want your full lead to close ratio. And when I did that exercise, I was like, dude, I'm kind of embarrassed. Where should I land? And he said, well, after surveying students and coaches with the core, you should be around 20 to 25 percent. So for every 100, you close in. 20 to 25 deals. I'm like, oh, I'm a little short of that, man. And so I'm going to share with you some of the tactics as we go through today. But I'll tell you, and I can't use use now, right, because of the, the economy that we're in with the rates. My current conversion is, and I have it right here, uh, 46% lead to close. But if I go pre-COVID back to J November, December, January, February, my average was 28%. And that's with some of the, a lot of the tools and tactics that I'm going to share today is how did I go from eight to 28%? And it started with the tracking, right? Okay. So Jay, do you, you track that number? 
Of course I do, man. So um, I wasn't too far off from you. I'm the classic full of ego, piss and vinegar, super optimist guy. And before I really started tracking everything, you would have asked me. I went, oh, man, I, I closed like eight out of ten for sure. <laughs> like, like that was always just my common answer. And by the way, all of you on here that are in coaching, that's a common answer we get from you guys. Because <laughs> you haven't tracked it. And it was very humbling to start tracking that stuff and realize that I was closing less than 20% right, of the leads that I would get to fundings and closing. So um, over the last five years of tracking, I know that um, I usually close 25%. That's to funding, okay? So from lead to – that includes raw leads, by the way, like people that I can't – don't qualify, nothing I can mm-hmm. do for them. If I take those out, I was pretty close to 50% even pre-COVID. Oh. If you eliminate that stuff, but you can't eliminate it. You need to know how many leads you have to generate – to what you can fund, a uh, COVID, post-COVID, or I'd say current COVID, I guess. Uh, I'm very similar to you, man. Just write a hair under 50% conversion. So it's a huge gift that we've been given. So um, we are going to talk about converting these leads today. And there's something I really, really want you to write down, okay? So I really want you to write. This is an overarching theme, okay, of our class today. Okay, write down that I need to convert the leads, not my team. I want you to write that down. That's going to be the genesis of a lot of this is, yes, you can delegate certain things, but at the end of the day, if it's up to anyone to convert, it's up to us. These people that refer us trust us, and they are referring us. Even if they say great things about the team, we have to make sure that we are engaged in our business and that our britches aren't too big, that we feel like we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, We are blue-collar millionaires. Okay, we got to roll up our sleeves and do the work every single day. So uh, let me see a show of hands. How many of you would love to know how to convert more leads in less time? Let me see. There's a couple of you. By the way, if your video is not on, turn it on. We want to see your pretty faces. Okay. So, yes, we all want to know how to convert more leads in less time. Um, so we've broken up this uh, class into three distinct segments because you don't convert leads once. You actually have to convert people three times. Okay, so there's going to be three sections of this. You have to convert people three times, and we're going to break that down into three different distinct um, uh, parts of how you have to convert and when you have to convert. Okay, so as we go, we get started right now and go through this, uh, having Greg share how he does it, how I do it, how it's the same, how it's different. Please make sure that you are typing questions in the chat screen. Okay, we're going to wait until the end. I promise we're going to leave at least 15 minutes to answer questions. And we really want to have interaction with you guys and answer your questions specifically to make sure that we can get you exactly what you're looking for and earn that top score on our surveys. Okay, so um, first of all, great. Part one is what? Initial contact, right? Initial contact. So, so when you're going to convert a new lead, there's initial contact. Um, what does that mean to you? What does that look like to you in your business? Well, great question, man. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll bring that up. When I did that research as to why is my 16 not great with KP, it, what, what happened was exactly what you just said. I over-delegated. What I heard was hire people so they can do the other stuff, and you can go prospect for realtors and bring in more business. Great concept. Except that when you're bringing in 100 leads and you're only closing eight, that's not a great model. Right. When I stepped back into, I will convert the leads, I will talk to every client, I will em- empower and sell the team after I make contact with them, that's when it went up threefold to the current, well, the current pre-COVID number. Love and that. so with that, I don't, I want you to understand is yes, we want you to hire the LP1s and have them on there to help and be administrative assistance to you, help you through the process, but really, for me, it's that initial contact that we're the name, we're the brand, and who's the number one salesperson on the team, Jeremy? It's always going to be you. It's going to be me. I am the rainmaker. It's your number one job duty as the team leaders to be the rainmaker. And what I got away from was I associated generating leads by only getting new referral partners versus, wow, can you generate a lot of leads when you're involved in the process, and like Rick says, you have that relationship-based business, so I can earn the right to ask for a referral later, which is also part of the sales process. 
And right. so I can generate even more leads by being more involved in the process. So don't make the mistake I made and over delegate those initial activities to somebody else to make that initial call or take that inbound call. Love it. So, so part one, right, that we're starting right now is initial contact, right? So everyone write down uh, what Greg said. Do not delegate initial contact. Okay. Do not delegate initial contact. Now, there's an asterisk to this. Okay. And I think it's important that we go through the process flow of it. Um, so I think that people take things too literal sometimes, right, Greg? And there's, there's nuances, right? So we're not saying that you have to, if you didn't get in touch with them up front, that you have to be the one that calls them 500 times, right? Like we're, that, that's not what we're saying, but what we are saying is you can't delegate that initial conversation, right? You can't delegate that initial conversation from a strategy and build rapport standpoint. So I would love to know, Greg, what does that look like in your business? What does that sound like when you have initial contact with a new borrower that was referred to you? Yeah, so for me, let's just take an example, uh, a gentleman, Gary, yesterday that was referred to me from a, a past client uh, via email. And so I picked up the phone and called Gary and, hey, Gary, it's Greg Gale. Jeff referred you over to me. Hey, Jeff's a really good friend of mine that we've been partners for a long time buying tickets for the Suns. And uh, how do you know Jeff? Well, actually, I'm in Jeff's department. I've known Jeff for a year since I transferred here from, uh, where's he come from? He came from Colorado, uh, a college that he was at. And he just came down and had already purchased the house. This was for refinance. And so I said, hey, that's great. Well, look, I've, I've built a long-time trust with Jeff. Obviously, you trust Jeff that you took the job and came all the way down here. Ultimately, my goal is to earn that same trust that you have with Jeff so that we can work together and have a mutually beneficial relationship. Now, from there, I said, what can I help you with? And this is where he then opened up and told me about, you know, everything he had going on. And I didn't, now, Jeremy, let me be clear. I didn't take his application, get his social, pull his credit, any of that stuff. I had the conversation and I said, so the next step here, and so this is where I always lead the client. They don't know what the process is. So I don't never want them to feel pawned off. That's what I've heard before. I felt pawned off on someone. And so I say, hey, I'm going to transfer you right now to Holly. Holly on my team has been with me for five years. She's going to get you started right now doing the application and whatever documentation we may need, and then set us appointment to discuss your goals and what you're looking to accomplish. That way I don't muddy the waters with what she's going to be talking about. Love and it. then from there, I do a warm handoff to her, speakerphone, just over to her. She then takes the call. So that's the start. Is yours much different than mine? You know, it's similar. I have a, a few takeaways I wrote down that I want to make sure you all get. Okay. So number one, he had some embedded commands in there and he's using um, some language that's going to influence the client. And the first thing that he did was number one is that he had good energy, right? We have to be enthusiastic, guys. We have to be enthusiastic about helping this person. That doesn't mean you have to be someone you're not, by the way. That doesn't mean you have to act like a fool and be way over the top. That just means that you have to be grateful and present and you have to transfer that enthusiasm to help the person on the other line. You're going to get them engaged a lot faster. So number one was enthusiasm, energy, right? The second thing I wrote down was he used a tactic called triangle for trust. So he said, hey, I forget the client's name. What was the client's name? Gary and Jerry. Gary. Uh, or as, as Greg would say, Gary. So he, he was talking to Gary. And and he said, oh, how do you know Josh, right? Oh, you know, I went to school with Josh. He was fig- asking great questions. So he figured out what the connection was to the person that referred it to him. And then he told his story, how he knew Josh and how they were probably going to work well together. That's called a triangle of trust, okay, where you're using the person who's referred it to you. And if you've heard this before, by the way, you could hear it 500 million times more because we suck at doing this. Okay, it is really, really, really important because here's what happens when you usually get a lead. You've learned all this triangle of trust stuff and you get all excited and then you just go right into, well, what can I do for you today? Are you looking to get pre-approved? That's awesome. Have you talked to anyone else? And you skip over the whole triangle for trust, which is the critical portion of not getting shopped and having someone bought into you up front. The third thing that I wrote down is that he had a step for a warm handoff, right? He set the expectations of what was going to happen next. That's super, super important. So, Greg, in my process, and if it's okay with you, I'd love to just role play my process. It's very similar to yours, 
And I am going to go for everyone's benefit at a faster pace than I usually do. So on a normal initial contact call for me, um, it is 15 minutes or less. Some of them take four minutes, you guys. Some of them have more questions and will take me 15 to 20 minutes. But for the most part, it's 15 minutes or less, right, on the initial contact. So uh, we have a scheduled appointment where you were referred to me via email. I booked an appointment with you, and this is what it sounds like. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Greg. Greg, it's Jeremy Forcier with Cross Country Mortgage. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. Awesome. Is this still a good time to connect? Great time. Awesome, man. Well, hey, you were referred to be my Rick Ruby, one of my all-time favorite people. How do you know Rick? Oh, my gosh. I met Rick a long time ago at a seminar, and then I hired him actually as a coach. Oh, awesome, man. So you coach with Rick. How long have you been coaching with him? God, it's been, it'll be 10 years. That's, man, that's a long time for some Rick Ruby. I've known him a long time as well. What do you like most about him? It is a long time. He is intense and holds me accountable because I get off track frequently. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> Rick is one of my favorite people, too. He's been a huge mentor to me as well, uh, personal in my life, and I love working with him. So it's great that you know him in that vein. I do, too. I, w- I want to do nothing more than to make sure that I honor and respect Rick's referral to me and honor and respect you. So I think that we're going to make a great team working through this transaction. Oh, I appreciate that. How long have you known him? I've known him for just about 10 years as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, how can I help you? Well, I'm actually getting relocated and uh, into Pentaluma, and he said you were the only person that I should call. Oh, that's awesome. Have you been to Pentaluma before? I haven't. I'm kind of lost. Awesome. It's a great place, man. I'm happy to, you know, connect you with the right people here, show you around if you ever want to come by. Um, but what, what are you looking to do? You're getting relocated for work? Yeah, my work is moving me out there. I'm going to open an office. Nice. Well, what, what do you do for work? Uh, mortgages. Oh, you do mortgages as well? Yeah, I'm just not licensed out there, so I need another professional to help me. Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, I love working with a pro, so um, we'll definitely take great care of you. So do you um, and your wife, I think Rick told me you were married, you and your wife and you have two kids? I do, yeah. Awesome. So have you and your wife talked about like a personal family budget from a payment perspective, like where you want to keep monthly payments? We have, yes. That's a big deal for me. We want to definitely keep it under $5,000 a month. Okay. And, and did you want that to include taxes and insurance? Uh, yes, all in. Okay. All right, cool. And then have you guys casually looked like in any type of purchase price range or anything like that? We have, as you know, mostly online. I haven't heard of a, a good realtor yet. Maybe you could help me with that. Oh yeah, man. Definitely. Once we get there, I'll hook you up with the best of the best. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, what price range are you, are you looking in like uh, casually? Yeah, I'd say maybe 1.5, maybe close to two. Okay, very cool, man. And and what type of down payment did you want to put down in the perfect case scenario? Yeah, I'd say 20 to 30% would be comfortable for us. I, we've been doing really crunching the numbers. Okay, very cool. And are you selling a home where you're leaving or are you keeping the home that you currently own or do you own a home? Yeah, we're going to keep that one. Okay, very, very cool, man. Awesome. Um, so before I go into what the next steps are and how the process works, do you have any specific questions that I can answer today while I got you? Yeah, well, I'm going to be out there in another couple months, but how long do you think it will take to close a loan up there? That's a great question. So it just depends on what type of loan you're looking at and what the property is. Typically, right now, we're closing escrows in 30 days or less, so it can happen very quickly. The key to making sure that you can close fast, and as you know, probably by casually looking, or if you don't know, it's a very competitive market here. So the key to getting uh, an offering and getting your offer accepted on the property that you want is to make sure we have all our ducks lined up in a row in advance. Sounds good. Awesome. Is there any other specific questions I can answer for you today before I explain how the steps work and how the process will go? Uh, No, I'm good. All right, great. Well, what I'm going to do is email you a customer questionnaire link to fill out with all of your basic information. It's going to ask you really simple stuff like, Where do you work? How do you spell your name correctly? Um, How much annual income you estimate, et cetera, et cetera. Simple stuff like that, okay? Once that's complete, um, my team is going to reach out to you and schedule a time to tidy up that pre-approval questionnaire with either myself or one of my team members. Once that happens, and you're going to receive a needs list, by the way, as well, 
through this process so you can gather things like W-2s, tax returns, pay stubs, et cetera, because we'll need that uh, once we clean up your questionnaire to see exactly what you're pre-approved for. Now, once we get things cleaned up, I'm going to create a video presentation for you that's going to walk you through some different purchase price options and interest rates so that you and your wife can process that and we can schedule a time to go over it together and I can answer any questions from there. Sounds good. Awesome, man. I'm going to send it over to you right now. Fill it out at your leisure uh, when you have 10 or 15 minutes. It's super simple. If you have any trouble with it, you can contact me and either myself or one of my staff members. We'll reach out to you and help you out. And if for some reason we don't receive it back in the next 48 hours, my team will politely follow up with you every few days to see what's going on. Okay? Cool. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah. So, wow, bro. That was awesome. Like ridiculous. I can tell he's done that a hundred or so I, times. It's so important, you guys, to do it the same way. Okay? Yeah. The same way every time. So yeah, there's, just, no. there's just a couple things I want to point out here. Um, number one is that I highly recommend that you guys always ask about do they have a personal budget uh, for their monthly payments. It changes the direction of the conversation, Greg. Right? That's clutch right there. I wrote that one down too. Yeah, it changes the conversation. And the second thing that I want to point out is that when I said do you have any questions that I can answer while you have me today, specific questions, if they say no, move right on to what the next steps are in the process. If they say yes, your only answer, and write this down, is that's a great question. They could, their question, Greg might have said, hey, man, who do you got, uh, you know, in, in football winning the Super Bowl this year? And I literally would say, you know what, that's a great question. You just have to answer that whenever they ask anything, that's a great question, then give them the response, and then move right back to, do you have any other specific questions? You can ask that 17 times if they have 17 questions. Eventually, just like Greg did, they will say no, and you move on to what the next step is. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Uh, and, I, and I liked how you, you said twice, is, do you have any other questions before I tell you the next steps in the process? Like, again, leading the client, so planting the seed, like, here's what's coming next, but I'm pausing right here just for you. What other questions, concerns do you have? What's something on your mind that you want to ask me right now? 100%. 100%, man. So so that covers the part one, right, of, like, that's the, how to convert your initial contact to basically go to the next step of doing an application, whether it's a live transfer with how Greg does it in his model or whether it's them filling out an online app. If you noticed, I called it a customer questionnaire or a pre-approval questionnaire um, because 88% of people will fill out a questionnaire where only 50% of people will apply for something because they feel like they're going to get declined, okay? So little things like that can make a big difference. So we've, we've done a part one initial contact, what that sounds like. Now we're moving into part two, which Greg and I call a purgatory conversion, right? So this is where we feel like we have the biggest um, bleed. It's where I have the biggest bleed still, and I'm better and better and better at it. But we've had the initial contact. We've set some parameters. And then either they do what they said they were going to do or they go dark and it goes into the ether, right? So um, there are different levels of converting in this section, the purgatory section. There are – they haven't filled out a loan app yet or they have and they haven't gotten any documents in yet. Like there are different levels of it, but you don't have what you need yet to be able to give great advice. So um, let's talk about your follow-up system um, you've had the initial conversation with me, Greg, or you couldn't get in contact with me right away. What does your follow-up system look like when these people are in purgatory? Yeah, no, I'll tell you, it's something that I want you to make sure you write down is as you figure out your process for this, you want to have it in writing. And I use this as a sales tool to my real estate agents because, A, they could probably most likely use a process themselves. But I want them to know that as a professional I have a written plan, process, playbook for how I handle their leads, their money. Right. So, for example, like they just said the average purchase price of listings in my area in the general Scottsdale area is over $700,000. Wow. So that's at 3%, 21 grand. So if I got that referral, that's $21,000 that the realtor is entrusting to me. Right. And I want them to know I'm not winging it. And rather than just say, here's what I do, I have it in writing, here's what I do. So to answer your question, Jeremy, there's a phone call, 
there's an email, and there's a text message. Now, with the email and text, I will sometimes do a videos. The first email and text is a video. So the video would be, hey, Jeremy, it's Greg Gale. Just wanted you to put a face to the name. I'm excited to work with you. Rick Ruby sent you my way. I just left you a voicemail. Let me know a great time to connect. Send. That can be the same in my emails as well. And, you know, we each have different systems, BombBomb, CoVideo. Maybe it's in your CRM, but you have to send a video so they get to know you. And my rule is that first point of contact, a video must go out. And the video either says, hey, it's Greg, great talking with you. Hey, below is the needs list we mentioned. I'm excited for this, that, and the other thing. Here's the next step. Have a great day. Or, hey, it's Greg Gale. I just left you a voicemail. I wanted you to put a face to the name. Below is the survey to fill out. It's a secure link. Let me know a good time to chat over the phone if you're more comfortable doing it that way. Look forward to connecting with you. Bye. I love videos in that way, but it is for sure a call, a text, and an email. Now, if it is before 12 o'clock, that happens again between 3 and 4 o'clock the same day. Another call. Hey, just trying to catch you on the way home. Text message, video. Now, what I do, and I liked what you had said when we were talking, Jeremy, you said they will politely follow up with you within the next 48 hours if we don't receive or you do what you said you were going to do. You got permission from me that your team would follow up with me politely. So I say that we're pleasantly persistent. Love it. So, not, so I'm pleasantly persistent. Hey, hey, I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm being pleasantly persistent in trying to find that this information or I want to make sure that you're well taken care of because Jeremy, Jeremy means the world to me and you're a client of his. So you mean the world to me. Let me know a convenient time to connect. So I've now hit them within the first day six times if I didn't connect with them. Wow. The next morning before 9 a.m., right before my team meeting, any lead that we didn't connect with the day before gets another Call, text, and email. So that's nine times within 24 hours that I can then call the realtor and say, hey, you've been CC'd on those three emails. You saw the email where it said, hey, just left your voicemail, sent you a text message. So you know I did those those things as well. What's happening? Have you talked to them? Do you have any details that I don't know about? Do you know a better time to connect? Should I hit them on Facebook instead? What's a better way? Right? Like, How do you get in touch with them? Do you want to reach out now? How do you want me to continue? Because I want the realtor to give me the permission to keep going or wait a couple days. So that's how I do the initial follow-up, but how myself and my team, and that's in writing that I hand to the real estate agent as well. Love it. Um, You guys, so number one, he's a beast. I don't follow up as much in a short time frame as Greg and his team do. That is absolutely fantastic. And for reference, um, Greg's been so gracious on page 42 in your books. He's given us his complete extreme uh, prequal to contract follow-up plan, uh, and it, it's incredible. So take a look at that on page 42, and if you have questions about it, of course, drop them in the uh, the chat, and Greg and I can go deeper here at the end. So that, that's fantastic. I mean, the, the, I'd say ours is a little bit different, but the same. So the same, and once again, is going to be, if it is to be, is up to me. And number two is to be persistent, right? So persistence always wins. But I want you to write down what Greg said. Pleasant persistence. Okay, pleasant persistence. It's not like Greg's putting them in a meat grinder, right? Like a car salesman and saying, hey, the last car is going to go today. You got to get back to me right now. He's not doing anything like that. But he is being extremely persistent and very pleasant and polite all at the same time. Those little nuances are going to increase your conversion ratios by 10%. I guarantee it. The being nice, the being polite combined with being persistent is extremely, extremely helpful. So um, my follow-up plan, just so you guys know as well, is on page 40. I put my lead tracker protocol in there for you. And uh, once I've had that initial conversation and we've sent out, you know, the customer questionnaire to fill out with their needs list of what we're going to need to pre-approve them or to look at pre-approving a refi, um, we follow up every other day for one week, okay, every other day for one week. And that, once again, is also a call email. Uh, we don't text um, all the time unless they've been dark on us for a few days. 
and then we will text them. Okay, so that's one little difference um, in in our model. I should probably beef it up. That's what I wrote down here uh, when I was listening to Greg. So we have a rule here in my office, and it applies to me just as anyone else on the team. If a team member is following up with someone on your behalf, an LP1, um, and they haven't gotten in touch, it's they have to call and then email or text. So it's always a call first, and then it's an email or text. And the reason being is that the email or text should always be a follow-up either to A, the conversation that they had or that you had with the client, or B, the summary of the voicemail that you just left. Okay, so you always have to call first. So think about it. If Greg's a realtor, right, and this we include the realtor on all of our follow-up emails, all right, Um, and I didn't get a hold of Greg, you know, my team didn't get a hold of Greg for a week and a half, and they're being, they're on the emails, and the emails always start out with, hey, Greg, just left you another voicemail. Would love to know when a good time to connect is to see if you've had a chance to fill out the customer questionnaire. If you'd like to set up another time with Jeremy, um, I'd be more than happy to facilitate that. Um, so please let us know some times that work in your schedule or when and if you would like us to get in touch with you. Okay, so it's always a call and then it's a summary. That's right? awesome, so- man. That's awesome. I think that's something to make sure you implement because part of the our process is you got to make sure that the realtor knows you're doing it. Otherwise, they don't know you're doing it. 100%. And so it's that like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and you're not there to make a noise, I'm telling you, they just don't think you're converting their lead because they haven't heard from anybody. But if every email that's going out has them CC'd and you're letting them know what you did, the realtor can never call Jeremy and say, man, I sent you guys this lead and I haven't seen any follow up. Like, yet in your email, you're going to see nine every other day where we've been hitting them and they haven't responded. So that's a great tip to, to I call it the CYA, right? Cover your Yep. (laughs) Cover your beep. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) absolutely. So the second part, right, of following up with people and making sure you're connecting in the right way is a, is a lead tracker meeting, right? So if you're not having a lead tracker meeting once a week where that's all the meeting is, is you going over your leads with yourself, if you're a team of one, or yourself and someone who follow, helps you follow up with your leads, like an LP, um, LP1 or an admin LP, executive assistant, you need to go through every single week, and I always review the month-to-date leads and the previous month, okay? And I have a recorded copy of this uh, link that I'm happy to share with you all, make sure the concierge um, group at the core has a copy of it where it's literally me sharing my screen and recording our lead tracker meeting, how we interact, how we update, how we're in the CRM all at the same time. So that if I need to know some information that maybe I'm not pervy to, like AJ, AJ Ja, right? That we just went over this yesterday in my lead tracker meeting said that, um, he really appreciates it. He's super busy and he'll get to it next week that then we can set that appointment up to follow up with him for next week rather than hitting them every other day. Right. And that we can update the realtor that, Hey, he's not quite ready yet, but next week he said that he's going to be ready to fill everything out, et cetera. So communication and having a system to go over your lead tracker is absolutely critical. Um, how do you do your lead tracker meeting reviews and, and what do you think some of the big takeaways are, Greg, in making it efficient and really clear? Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I, I actually wrote that down to move it to weekly because what I do is every day I go over the leads that came through the day before. So because we're so on top of it, I've caught up now to where we just go back that day. Who didn't we connect with? Who do we got to go with? And then at the end of the week, we look at that weeks. But it's only once a month that I go back 60 days on all the leads And so I just wrote that down to do. So what happens is in my team meeting, we go over, hey, what's closing? What are the fire files? Okay, how many leads do we have? Cool, what came in yesterday? And we literally pause for a moment and go over the 5, 10, 15, whatever came in yesterday and where are they at, who needs to call. And something that I want to bring up is I have two direct loan partners that are on the front, LP1s, that are helping me with the leads. And so when we go in there, I call it the turnover sale. So this is from the car business, from the furniture sales. If I'm having a problem connecting with someone, someone else has got to call. 
And maybe they're not, you know, they're not recognizing my number or maybe they pick up, they, they hear a different voice. So when Holly calls versus my voicemail, they hear the girl on the voicemail. Maybe they call that one back. Maybe they just picked up because she called at a different time than I called. I don't know how it works, but when you, it's popular in sales to do a turnover sale. So we round robin who does the leads so that we have a, a, a better chance of connecting with them. So that's where those opportunities come up where we'll see someone in the track and say, Hey, Larry, why don't you call that one for Holly? Hey, Holly, will you call this one back for me? And we do that turnover sale. Love it. Love it. I want to point something out here, okay? Remember, Greg, how many leads per month do you generate? Uh, let's see, last month, 140. Cool. So context is important sometimes. I feel like sometimes we go to these classes, and I was this person at the beginning of my core career, is that you take a class like this, and your only takeaway is, I need to hire people. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little context real quick. OK, is that if you are generating 40 leads referrals, by the way, 40 referrals or less per month, you can do this on your own. You don't necessarily need someone. It's just a process that you have to put in place. Once you're getting to 40 leads a month and more, that's when you really need to start getting that help to stay on top of it and give great customer service in your follow-up, et cetera. So don't let your, your takeaway here be, oh, man, I, I need to go hire two people because Greg's got two people. Greg generates 150 leads a month, okay? So it, it, he needs that help of people uh, to help follow up uh, on those leads, et cetera, so that he can connect with more people, okay? So, that's a great point. Yeah, really, really, really important to know. Um, so t- tell me about this. Um, one last thing on the lead tracker, and I do this, and I'd love to know your take on it, is that one thing that I love about my lead tracker meeting, and I have just uh, one person, by the way, that does my lead tracker with me, um, Megan, um, and she handles up to 200 in a month. I know that sounds crazy, wow. right? But she's not taking loan apps or anything like that. She's my admin LP1, and she's booking all the appointments for me, et cetera, if I can't get in touch with them right away. Um, but what I love about it is that it gives me a chance, and you'll see this in my training video that you can all get uh, from the core concierge, okay, that it gives me a chance to role play with her in the meeting. Role playing is so critical to people's success, Okay. So sometimes she'll say, oh, this person, every time I call, they hang up on me or they say that they're so busy, but they answered their phone. Like that is common, comes up a lot in our meetings. And sometimes I'll go, hey, I'm going to call this person right now and I want you to listen on speakerphone, for example. Listen to what I say. Give them little tips like, hey, we really don't want to bother you. I hope we're not annoying you, but we really want to help you. If you could just do me a favor and call me back or respond to the email I'm going to send right now and just let me know if you're not interested. The last thing we want to do is keep bothering you. You can give them these little tips Mm -hmm. in the meeting. So spot coaching and training in a lead tracker meeting is critical for me. Yeah. And I would and write that down because I think I got away from role playing. And when I got back into it, it got everyone better on their game, including myself. Uh, But I do, I can't tell you how many times this week I've had my two trainees coming in and I'm on speakerphone dialing people from the cell phone so that they can hear me either leave a great message or start the conversation to transfer the deal. And for me, it's, it's just imperative. That's how I learned being mentored by a top producer for three years. I was in the same room that was half the size of my office right now, like a clown car. And I just got to learn and absorb all the stuff he would say and he would correct and spot coach. But there were times where we would do it ourselves, and there was a lot of times where I was just listening to him. So something that I've been doing, Jeremy, because of this virtual world is I've been recording a lot on Zoom. Like I can just hit screen record and do a voicemail, and it records it, and then store it in a little library for people to listen to later. Like you doing the little takeaway, like, hey, if if things have changed, no worries. It lets them off the hook to tell you, yeah, man, I'm just going to wait till 2021 rather than just avoid you totally. That's a great tactic that your team member just learned, that I just learned, because you're role-playing and recording that stuff. By the way, here's the number one um, way to get people to buy into role-playing. You have to remind them, and I'm going to remind all of you right now, okay, is that we all suck at this at some point in our career, and we forget and suck again. 
over and over. It happens to me all the time. I don't want any of you to listen to me talking or Greg talking and think like, dude, those guys got it figured out. Like they listen, we're still messing up every day. We're still like letting stuff drop through the cracks. That's why I meet every week because I go, oh, crap. I told this happened yesterday. I told Alessia I was sent to the loan app link last week and I didn't. I better send it right now and apologize. Like so a lot of it is for not only accountability for a team member if they're helping you, but it's for you. And you're going to mess up. It's okay. But if you have a process in place to review everything, you're going to catch more stuff that slips through the cracks rather than just letting it slip through the cracks and not knowing. So, Great point. So this brings us to our third portion of conversion. So we've talked about converting at initial contact, and we've talked about converting from initial contact to getting them to do what we need them to do, get us all their stuff, et cetera, follow up on the leads. So part three is you've got a contract now. Right. Or you got to refinance. Right. So we let's talk about uh, contract locking and selling terms like that is the conversion where we make the money. Right. And this is should be the easiest conversion because we've gone through the first two, the hardest ones. But, um, Greg, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what does that look like for you? Do you have to resell? What do you focus on? Yeah. So great question. Uh, first of all, I like to one celebrate. Right. Like, hey, congratulations. What made you pick that house? What's the first thing you're going to do when you get in there? What's the first room you're going to paint? What's the first set of furniture you're going to buy? Like bring them to the emotional aspect of the home buying process. Right. And then, you know, and maybe it's it's sharing where they took a long time to get the house, because in my market, they're putting eight, nine, ten offers in on homes getting beat out. So it's like, wow, this must be such a great relief. We've been getting beat out by those sellers. And here we are. You finally found the one you wanted. That's awesome. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get in there? That's great. Then I go back over their goals, right? So, yes, I do need to resell the terms because I want to know, has anything changed? Have you thought about doing something different, putting more money down, shortening the term? Like, I just want to open up and ask those questions because sometimes the goals have changed. Now, maybe they're not able to change, right? I'm still going to ask, has anything changed from your initial goals? Are we still looking that you're going to be in this house for this many years? But I need to go back to that first conversation we had. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but making sure that you're taking great notes. I know it's on your um, lead intake form here. Taking great notes and having a place that you can easily reference it to pull that right back up and go over those goals again with the client. Now, do you do that every time, Jay? I do every single time. So I keep notes in our CRM. Uh, we also keep notes uh, in the lead tracker, just tiny little bullet points. But mm-hmm. the CRM notes are critical for me and my team because they can see what I wrote. I can see what they wrote. Like we just got off the phone with Megan um, earlier this morning before the summit started and she went into contract and I pulled up the notes right away and I was like, oh, okay, buying a house. Kids want to be on title, but not on the loan because they don't have great credit. All buying together, though. And I was able to bring up that stuff again. And people are just impressed that you're, they, that you remember. You don't have to remember anything. You just need to know where to access the information. So, um, in my converting, um, once it's in contract or ready to go, I basically follow the same thing that Greg outlined. I mean, almost identical to the T. But I want you guys all to write this down, okay? You have to remember that you are selling them again. You haven't got anything yet. You haven't got a commitment yet. We all think we do. I do too, right? And whenever I take it for granted and I get a little blase is usually when people can get the wandering eye, right, and think maybe they can get something else or they talk to someone else in between getting pre-approved and finding a house and I didn't know. You have to remember that you are selling until they have committed, right? Until they've signed those disclosures, said that you're going to order an appraisal, et cetera. It's really, really important to know that we are always, always selling at each part of the conversion of the leads, okay? Because they are all leads until they're closed, right? 8%, Greg told it. He used to close 8%, right? I used to close 11%, almost the same as, as Greg when I first started really keeping track of this stuff. So it's important to know that you are selling all the time. Side note tip, pro tip, that works in your home life as well. That's not what this is about, but you need to go home and sell for a couple hours too, okay? All you guys and gals out there, if you have spouses, you don't get to go home and stop selling. You got to sell for another two hours and keep everybody happy, okay? So um, now there, there is something that um, I want to uh, cover before we wrap up, 
And that's how to generate more leads. And I think it's the easiest lead to convert, by the way. How do you generate some more leads from people after you've converted them and they're in contract, et cetera? And it's the CCR. So CCR stands for Current Client Referral. And if you turn to page 44, I believe it is, yeah, I gave you my CCR email script on here. And I just want to explain how I use it um, and how I set the expectation. So when someone says, yes, they want to work with me, I explain the process that I'm going to get them some new quotes and a new presentation, and I want nothing more uh, than to make sure that they have a great experience because I want to work with more people just like them. So I don't spend a lot of money on uh, advertising and Internet leads. I really just work by referral, so I want to make sure I take great care of you so that then you can refer me your friends and family as well. So I've, I've planted a seed. Right? That's awesome right there. Now, as we're going through the process, right, we have milestones as loan officers. And those milestones are like your loans submitted, your loans approved, you're clear to close, you have funded. Those are four really simple ones, right? So when COVID hit, I used to call and ask for CCRs a lot. And then I found myself just completely bogged down, tripled the volume, all of that. And I wasn't asking for CCRs anymore. Write this down. My CCR conversion is 68%, you guys, 68. It's the highest conversion of any of the pillars that we track in the core. So I looked at that one day and I was like, why the hell am I not doing C? It's the highest conversion. I need more CCRs, right? So I put this very simple process in place where I created this template and I'll just read it to you. It's super simple, right? It's if someone um, is excited or they give me any type of praise during the process, Right. Like they get an automated email from me that says, hey, congratulations, your home loans approved. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you, Jeremy. Your team is so great. Everything's been going so good. I respond with this email every time. We love helping you. My goal this year is to work with more people I like. Can you introduce me to two people that you think I uh, should know and can help in the future? That's it. You guys, I got five CCRs yesterday from this email, okay? So the critical point is they give you praise, you respond with this. They say they're happy, you respond with this. They say they're concerned or they're nervous, you do not respond with this, okay? <laughs> and then when they're happy, you respond with this. There you go. So if you guys are looking for a really cool, simple tactic, get an extra five to 15 leads a month that converted a high level, highly recommend using this CCR email. That one's awesome. I actually, you, you showed me that about a year and a half ago and I've been using that one. And I mean, I'd say, I don't think a week goes by that we don't get one from that thing, but yeah. we, it's like, it's literally an email template in my outlook. Yeah. And by the way, you guys are not going to do it. That's me challenging you. Okay? <laughs> so that is me challenging. I have coached some of you that are probably on this right now. I could look through and find some that I assign it as an assignment. And then two months go by, I'm looking at their lead tracker and there's one CCR and I'm like, Hey, are you using it? Oh, man, I forgot about that. Like last month, you guys, I got 17 CCRs and 19 PCRs by using just this. Okay, just just this. Converting at 68%. Why not? Converting at 68%. It's ridiculous. Realtors convert at 21. Yes, we all need them, right? But a CCR is going to convert at the highest because they're emotionally charged and engaged during the process. So they transfer that energy to the person they tell you about. Right. So um, we said we would leave 15 minutes for questions. We're there. Um, you know, we have Lindsay going through and, and the core staff going through to bring up any questions. So uh, we're ready to answer your guys questions and then we'll wrap this thing up. Awesome. Let's do it. So a couple questions early on just about conversion. So are you considering conversion as a lead from one month to closing the next month? What are you guys talking about when you're talking about conversion? Greg, I'll let you go first. Correct. Yeah. So the lead comes in, let's say, you know, today, but then I convert it in December. That's going to be a transaction for December, but not a lead for December. Yes. So same. So same for me. So there's two different types of conversion, right, that we track here in the core. One is lead to pre-app, pre-approval. So you pre-approve them and that would be converted on your lead tracker form um, where it says pre-app. We break them out right, into pre-ops and real transactions, right, that are live and going. So they they are broken out. 
When I talk about my conversion rate uh, being at just south, like 49%, just south of 50%, I'm talking about leads, gross leads, divided by how many fundings I've had year to date. Okay, So that's how you convert uh, your lead to funding number. That would be the T on the lead tracker form, the transactions. Um, but you don't want to double count them. Right. And that I see a lot of people double counting. Right. They're double counting uh, their transactions and whatnot. But you can, Greg. And right. You can have a month when we're in a market like this where your your conversion rate might be like 78 percent in one month because oh, yeah. you closed so many loans that were refinances. Right. They became real transactions in the previous couple months. So I hope that clears it up. There's two different conversions. That's awesome. e- OK, cool. Great. Yeah. So follow up to that. What's your lead to credit pull ratio? Greg? Ooh, that I don't have. I got, so I got mine. So, um, rather than credit pull ratio, um, I track lead to, um, uh, application, which, oh wait, that is credit pull ratio. Duh. It's the same thing. So my, my lead to credit pull ratio pre COVID was 50%. Okay. Was 50%. Um, and, and then post COVID, it's like, 71 per, it's really 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 high what is it for your lead tracker right so so we're tracking the, like you know took the app pulled the credit got some piece of documentation on there what where are you tracking there yeah so same same thing i mean um i'm i'm not tracking um if they're if i can't help them if they're not qualified and i pulled credit for i'm not including that in my okay. conversion ratio got because it. i can't help them right cool Okay, so there's thanks you guys. There's just a couple of them about this initial call and if it is scheduled, kind of how that works and what happens. So one question is, are there any minimum requirements in order for that client to talk to you? Uh, I'll take that one first. Um, no, yeah, absolutely not. Um, I don't qualify anyone before I talk to them. I think it's a huge mistake that I've made in the past. Mm-hmm. And I did it for the first seven years in the core or, or six years in the core, right? I'm not going to talk to them unless they filled out a loan app or they got a credit report or like these people don't even know if they want to work with me yet. Like they don't know my vibe or, you know, I haven't. So no is my answer. An initial conversation, that's why it can take anywhere just from five to 15 minutes is me asking those questions about qualifying. You heard me talk to Greg. Hey, you're moving out here, right? Oh, that's cool. How much money are you going to put down? Are you selling a house? Do you own a house? I'm asking qualifying questions, right, while I'm getting to know great. So um, no is the answer. I will talk to 100% of anyone, even if they tell me they're going to buy a mobile home and I don't do mobile home loans, I will still talk to them and figure out, can I get them into something, why they want to buy a mobile home? Yep. I love it. Does somebody schedule that call for you, Jeremy, the one you role-played with, Greg? Um, so yes and no. So once again, I always reach out, right? If, but the reality is I don't get a hold of everyone, right? In the first try, right? That happens maybe a third of the time. After that, if you look once again on page 40, it goes into a protocol, a system where I do have someone that's following up to schedule the appointment for me to talk to them. Perfect. Um, you guys talked about doing a transfer then to the team. So we'll work it. There's a few questions about when you're working remote, how do you do the transfer? I'll let Greg handle it because I don't do that. Yeah, so they, they we're all on a same phone system. So from a technology point of view, we just have Vonage. And so I can transfer to someone's um, extension, whether it's here or remote, doesn't matter. Awesome. Um, what, what do you guys do with a borrower that goes straight to rate? Love it. It's my favorite borrower, actually, because it's usually the easiest to challenge. So I want you guys all to write this down. If you aren't challenging people that challenge you, you're losing. So if some, there's that whole concept of mirroring, right? So if Greg called me up and Greg was like, hey, like I had one uh, yesterday. His name's Dr. Ryan. Anyone that goes by doctor first, you know it's going to be a challenge, okay? So <laughs> Dr. Ryan, right? <laughs> We followed up with him for three weeks, was an initial lead, and he finally responded, was like, hey, I'm too busy. This is the quote that I got from this other person. Like, do you think you can beat it, right? That was to my assistant who was following up with him to schedule. He doesn't want to schedule a time with me, right? So my response was, no problem, Megan, got this one. Responded to him, yep, looks like we can absolutely beat it. Just need some, you know, I need some information from you. And he said, great, and he booked an appointment with me. 
right? Then I got on. So you just got to challenge him back. Like he's being an idiot. He doesn't even know what he has or doesn't have. And that's okay. Don't be upset, but challenge that person back, right? And you don't have to challenge them as an expert that you know more. Just get them to agree to the appointment so you can show them how great you are and how different you are. And then if the advice is that they should stick with whatever they got quoted, great. But you just need to get the appointment, right? So if someone leads with rate, I always agree. Write that down. I agree, right? Hey, can you get, this happens to me all the time. Hey, can you get me two and a quarter percent? My answer is always absolutely. Now, there's a lot that goes into that two and a quarter percent. I don't know if it's going to cost them 30 grand to get two and a quarter percent, if it makes any sense to make it, but can any of you get someone two and a quarter? The answer is yes, right? So you have to learn how to challenge back so that you can do your job effectively. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, Jeremy, you're talking about sending a questionnaire, and Eric wants to know why send a questionnaire instead of doing that on the call or sending them to your LP. Sure. So I love, um, num- there's two, two parts to this, okay? Number one is that I like to build space for myself selfishly, okay? So if I was to take the loan app every single time, personally, right, that's 35 minutes, right, of me entering in data, et cetera. And it's just data entry, okay? So if, if I can have them fill out a questionnaire, I just save myself or a team member 35 minutes, right, to to get someone to fill something out. Number two is I like to create space for myself, meaning I I need time. If I'm going to talk to you, like I have 17 appointments sometimes, you guys, in a day, 15-minute increments. Like, like it's crazy. It's just bam, 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 bam. And there's no way that I could just take the data over the phone, right? So I have to build space for myself and my team. And number two is that I want them to follow the process because who wants to be in control, right, me or the client? You, You want control. Me. Now, when someone follows the process, my likelihood of closing that person goes way up. Right. Right? Goes way up. So that's why I do it in that manner. Now, are there some people that we have to take it over the phone because they don't have a computer? Of course. There are always going to be asterisks, but you have to have a process that you follow 99% of the time so that it can be scalable in your business and with your uh, time blocking. Awesome. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to put up uh, the survey for the class really quick. We're going to keep taking your questions. Do not worry. Um, but I'm going to put up the poll while we're doing that. So you guys can just answer that one for us. We would appreciate it. Awesome. So when the poll comes up, we need you guys all to let us know how we did. Uh, Greg, what, what do we prefer? We like fives. That's right. And if it sucked, four. Okay, so so let's just make sure that, you know, we obviously put whatever it is that you felt you got value from this and whatnot, but we want to be fives. And if you think that we didn't give a five, let us know why in the comments, you know, and we'll make sure that we fix it and that we can get you whatever it is that you were looking for. Awesome. Couple CRM questions. Do you guys use phone burner? Greg? I do not, no. I do not either. I used to use a dialing system, you guys, and then I felt that, my conversations, it changed me. It changed the way I was viewing the person I was calling, and I felt like I was rushing everyone. I was looking at who's next in the queue, and I I was having disconnected conversations. So I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. If you're trying to rip through 100 pre-approval calls just to check in, um, I'm saying that I stopped using it, and I felt that it made my conversion go up by not using it and being present in my conversations. Same here. Yep. Cool. Do you guys use Jungo or any other CRM recommendations? Greg, uh, we have a uh, what it's called CRM Now that was built for the company that you can get. But I know that Jay, you're a power Salesforce user. Yeah. Yep. I've used Jungo Salesforce for almost ten years. Um, I absolutely love it. Let's get this one away. Don't book a private session with me to do a Jungo training because it disappoints, <laughs> it disappoints all of you guys every time because I'm the basic user of it to the nth degree, but I'm really good at the basics, right? So, so I don't use it to like transfer over to my lead. Tra- I don't, I don't use any of those tools. I do double entry for a reason. My CRM is there for calendar, tasks, follow up, and then to make sure that when I'm going over my lead tracker, that we have a checks and balances between the two. So I don't use any of the integrations as far as, you know, core forms or anything like that. I don't know what they look like and don't have a private call with me about it. 
Um, a couple questions on your CCR template. Do you send it? Do your LP send it? What did I say at the beginning of the call, y'all? You. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this pisses me off. So uh, I, I assign this to students constantly, okay? And this is passion. I'm not angry. I shouldn't have said the P word. This um, it creates emotion for me. Is that it's up to you. It's not up to your team to be a salesperson. Just make them a loan officer, okay? Make them an originator if that's the case. It has to be you that sends it. It's a simple template. You save it in Outlook signatures. You click signatures, and then it says CCR email, and then you click that, and it's all populated in there. You don't – it takes 10 seconds, right? So I have Megan, who works on my team, who does the lead tracker. She also manages my email, helps me with that, and she flags anyone that says, awesome, thank you, we're happy. She flags it yellow, so I can go in at the end of the day and just hit them all. It's awesome. Such a good system. Yeah. Love it. You guys – that was awesome. That was a perfect note to end on. We started with that and we ended with it, right? Awesome, awesome. job, you guys. Thank you so much. And Dude, thanks, Jeremy. That was awesome, man. I got a page full of notes. I knew it was yeah. going to be great. My conversion will be up now. Me too, man. I learned that I got to politely be more persistent than I have been, and I got to start hammering people a little more. So thank you all for uh, being here. Uh, Greg, like I said, honor coaching with you. Lindsay, thank you so much for the help. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, I'm going to make sure that you guys get that recording, that the core has it, so feel free to reach out to them, and uh, they can send you a copy, and let's go learn some more here. Okay, next class coming up yeah. soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Later, bro. You've been listening to the core's sales training boot camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670, or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.